Good evening and welcome to Educationally Speaking on KVMR. This is the show that talks about all subjects that impact our local schools here in Nevada County. I'm your host, Scott Lay, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. And tonight we're going to be talking about mental health supports that we have in our schools for our students. So I have brought in one of my partners in education who works in the county office, Associate Superintendent for Special Education, Eli Gallup. Eli, welcome. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank you for taking your time this evening to come on out and talk. I know you and I have numerous conversations in the office and with our fellow school districts, with our behavioral health department. Um, but I thought it'd be a great show to to kind of let people know all that's going on in our schools, the partnerships we have amongst districts, charter schools, and our public agencies uh, to look after the welfare of our students. Well, thanks, Scott. I'm excited to be here. It's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. So I hope I don't go on too long for everybody here. It'll be good. I'll give people a glimpse of that. And I think at the end, I hope people come away that there's a lot going on and that we have a lot of collaboration like so many other areas in this county. We do indeed. So first up, let's kind of talk pre-COVID. Before that, we had needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But COVID, that really, really pushed it. We had students who were isolated. They were doing distance learning. Uh, Activities went away and, and all these things that came with it that none of us really liked as we figured our way through really the first pandemic in any of our lifetime. So What were some of the issues before, Eli, and then what did you see as someone who's kind of the the conduit in the office, really, for the pulse on what's going on? Well, thank you, Scott. Yeah, before COVID, one of the challenges we always were looking for, for helping students really become the best students they could possibly be. And so what we do is we service a variety of areas. Sometimes we look at academics. Sometimes we look at emotional status. And here, that's one of those areas. So what we're looking for is students who are better able to regulate themselves, better able to focus on their work, stay on task, really be able to listen to those teachers, and really also develop positive social connections. So when students aren't able to do that, we try to step in and help them provide a better system and a better way of doing things so they can make friends and be positive-minded in their classes. Oh, that's a lot better explanation than I could have said. I just, I just said all that in about 40, 50 more words. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're doing. And the bottom line is we want to help our students, like I said, be successful in class. And 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 during COVID, when the kids came back, we did see unusual behaviors. I think kids were acting out for reason un, reasons unbeknownst to them, mm-hmm. uh, kind of feeling their way back with social activities, how to, to sit, be in a classroom again for six hours. Absolutely. Uh, that we, you hit the nail right on the head. Some of the things we saw after a year and a half of distance learning or hybrid learning, some of our young students coming into second grade had never been students before. Yeah. So those teachers had those expectations of, you're a second grader now. You should learn how to be able to do this. And they struggled. And then as a result of them struggling, some of them got into a funk, you know, and felt like, why can't I do this? Am I depressed? And so we, we saw really more mental health challenges at a younger and younger age. Absolutely. Now, pre-COVID, kind of talking in the past, the health supports, we didn't have what I would consider adequate funding. I don't think our behavior health department would say they had adequate funding. You, they're, mm-hmm. they're only, so, so what did we do for the kids 
sure. in the past with our with our partnership with behavioral health. Sure. Well, even stepping back just a little bit, with working with schools, most schools had counselors, but they had limited availability. Some of those counselors were more academically oriented counselors than mental health counselors. Some of the few schools that did have it were really lucky. Those, most of those schools, when they were working with students with severe needs or work with severe issues, we would reach out to the Nevada County Behavioral Health Department. We'd engage with them and we'd work with them as successfully as we could. Now that brought a few challenges. With Nevada County Behavioral Health, just as with many government agencies, we have a lot of stipulations, a lot of regulations to go through. So some of the challenges with Nevada County Behavioral Health is they have a limited payer. They're looking for Medi-Cal eligible right. students. And that's not all students. So we were, we were missing some of our students when we were referring to them. Boy, you're right. I mean, before we were missing. And then once COVID came, behavioral health issues were not targeted to those students. Absolutely. Uh, that they, that they, the welfare at all. It was everybody needed help. And so we had, a, had to find a different way. Now, I do know, you know, during COVID, we did offer counseling services. But it was all, the most of it was by Zoom or virtual, mm-hmm. and that can only go so far. It's better than nothing, uh, that's for sure, but it, it being that one-on-one, that human interaction, Absolute, that was tough. T- you're completely right. One of the additional challenges during COVID was many of our teachers didn't have lengthy times with our students, so they weren't able to make these assessments as opposed to being in class, seeing them day in, day out. Are there signs of depression? Are there signs of mental illness? We, ha- we had to rely on parent contact. And sometimes with parents with only one children, they don't know any different yet. Right. So they don't have comparisons. Right. They don't realize it. And, and, and even during the pandemic, everybody's life was kind of upside down. They were stressed. Kids were stressed. Um, it, was, it was a tough time. That's a really good point. Everybody was stressed, so it's hard to see. Are you more stressed than yeah. average, or is this just a COVID <laughs> Then you should pandemic? be. Or is this just an average pandemic stress? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, which we wanted to help as well. So with that, so then we come out, um, and as, as you and I know, the state and, and feds have realized there is a problem. Thank goodness mm-hmm. for that. Sometimes their funding strategies baffle me and uh, irritate me to no end with uh, – sometimes too targeted with what we can use the money for or a very short period of time. But at least it came, and it came to us. It came to behavioral health. It came to the schools. So let's talk a little bit about that, about – what we what we have now in Absolutely. our school system. Well, just as you said, one of the one of the few silver linings of COVID was that greater awareness of mental wellness in our schools and what not having a healthy mental well being and the impact about on academics and socialization. So that was one of the silver linings, and with that came a plethora of money and restrictions. Some of the things that we've been working with with our partner agencies, Nevada County Behavioral Health, is we've developed a grant in conjunction with them to ha- provide more board-certified behavior analysts in our schools. And with that, what that means is these are expert individuals with master-level degrees providing behavioral expertise to shape the environment to help the students learn how to become more effective in their behavioral control by changing the environment. Right, which is critical. For them to go in there, and I know we we worked with uh, several school districts on that. We targeted uh, some with the higher needs to get in there. Um, Behavior Health was a fantastic partner to work with. They have the expertise for us. Absolutely. But I do know we also had a hurdle in that area of hiring people. 
You no. know, as most people, our listeners will know, you know, if you're, uh, uh, you, there's still some service industries where we're missing workers. Um, and we do know right after COVID, people were nervous to come back to work or mm-hmm. they, they didn't feel comfortable around people still. So we, let's talk a little bit about that. We, we struggled right out of the bat. We had the money. We had the program. We had the idea. We had the partnerships. Absolutely. That was one of our most unique challenges in my professional career in education was having more money than we knew what to do with. We didn't have staff. And targeted we, money. I want to make sure I know it was targeted money. just for behavioral the, health. Thank you for yes, clarifying. Yes. <laughs> targeted money for behavioral health. We weren't able to find these positions. Yeah. So one of the things we had, we developed a really unique strategy of developing a training module for our own. So for those local residents who already worked in schools, for those paraeducators, if they were interested, we put them through 40 hours a week of training with counseling and coaching involved. They took a state-required test, and now they are officially called registered behavior technicians. So while we have the expert behavior board-certified behavior analysis on hand, the registered behavior technicians do the hands-on work to provide that expertise and support to class. And yeah. as you said, they do a lot. They do a lot, and it was great when we were able to take those those people in our classrooms um, and and train them up. Those we'd identified and, and really wanted to do that and grow in their careers, and kind of gravitated towards that in there. And um, yeah, that was successful. I mean, it, we certainly had to uh, come up with creative ways to fill those positions as well as others. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, so you know, um, as we talk about it, we've got. We've got a lot of different roles, and I know people get confused all the time with this. They might hear you've got, as you mentioned, the RBTs, Registered Behavior Technicians, the BCBAs. Uh, We have MFTs, LCSW, school counselors, school psychologists, and people are like, what do they all do? Aren't they the same? Are they... You know, so maybe we can help our audience sure. with what each one of those does. You've explained the RBTs really well, the BCBAs. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a little hesitant because one of the things I love in special education is acronyms. Right. I call it job security. If I don't tell people what it means, then they have then to they, call me. They do. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure you're like me where I use the acronyms for so long after a decade of using it. You're like, what does it mean? You're like, I, I really don't remember what all the letters. I know what the job function is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So as we mentioned, we talked about the BCBAs, the Board Certified Behavior Analysis. We talked about the Registered Behavior Technicians, another acronym of RBT. Another social service that we have now started working with are MFTs, marriage and family therapists, as well as LCSWs, another acronym for licensed clinical social worker. All of these people can provide counseling and support to students or adults, in fact. And then the MFTs are LCSWs. Those aren't often found in a school. No. Those, are more, those are private that we contract with or partnership with. Absolutely. Well, in fact, what we've started doing over the last couple of years is hiring our own MFTs and our own LCSWs because we've seen the need and the value add. One of the things I recognized a long time ago is in education, we're experts in academics, we're experts in curriculum, we're experts in teaching students uh, effective strategies. An area that most of us don't have a lot of expertise is mental health and wellness. Right. Absolutely. That's not our field. So recognizing that, just as, yeah. you know, I, when I know my limits when I need a plumber. I knew my limits when we needed an MFT. Yeah. So we quickly brought those in, and we started that early. And it's only, it was fortuitous that we had them pre-COVID, because it really we were able to lean into that expertise and develop even further from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we go back to probably what 
most people recognize, school counselors, school psychologists. You know, they've been around since we were in school. Yeah. Uh, and what's, what's different just for our audience for the role of a school counselor, a school psychologist, oh, sure. as opposed to the others we've just mentioned? Absolutely. All of these people can provide counseling supports to students. Counselors, that's their area of expertise. They're trained in, in therapy. A school psychologist has a variety of roles, actually. So in addition to counseling, one of the things they work for is to assess uh, intelligence and for special education eligibility. So there's an extra layer of academic support focusing beyond just mental health for school psychologists. They're able to combine the two to kind of look at the whole student. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Uh, and for our audience, if you have any questions about that further, you can give us a call at the county office. Eli's number is on is on the website. His email, he'll be happy happy to go over those again. But each one does play a very critical role. It's a very different role in it. Um, you know, and one of the things we were talking about this about pre-COVID and when we were growing up, um, mental health was kind of um, something you didn't talk a lot about. It was considered was there something wrong with you is what's going wrong you know it, it was a negative term and it never should have been and i think we've done a really good job of getting away from that and to get people to understand it's a very positive term it's bringing in supports to help people when they need it and goodness knows we all need it from time to time you know it's so funny you say that because one of the things just talking to my own children a 26 year old and a 17 year old both of them see mental health as a badge of pride almost. Mm -hmm. The fact that they had the awareness to go out and seek support, yep. they're getting support, they're following through with it. You're right. It's so different than when we were younger. It was more of, let's not talk about, mm -hmm. I don't want to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And here's the other way. They proclaim it loud and, and wide. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that mystique that we had, like you said, the younger generation in their 20s, they don't have that. And it's really our old ideas that not taints it, but you know makes you think. So uh, it, it's great that they don't, and they're willing to seek out to solve their problems rather than what we probably did more of, which was just bottle it up inside and not deal with it, especially guys. And well, that, we've, as we all know, is not healthy, and certainly not healthy for our students in the schools. Absolutely, and I'm just going to say maybe you did that, but I'm not sure if I did that. <laughs> oh, I did. Yes, you know, I did <laughs> little self-disclosure never hurt anybody. Not good, exactly. And uh, yeah, and, and it's so nice to see that not taking place of of learning from the mistakes of our of our uh, previous generations, and that that's a very positive thing. Well, and to that end, one of the things that I've really noticed is that embracing of these mental health supports by the older generation, mm -hmm. by those experienced teachers, administrators, and expert staff, yeah. they see the value for perhaps things that they didn't have when they were yeah. younger. Yeah. So they're very quick to reach out to the younger generation, offer these supports, give them that kind of guiding direction yeah. so that they can get on the right path faster. Yeah, yeah I know I sure do, um, knowing how critical it is. And I think we all do after COVID. And, um, you know, I, I keep saying after COVID, I know we're still in the middle of the pandemic, but it, it very much feels like we're on the other side of it and, uh, you know, and moving forward and supporting our, our kids. So I don't want to downplay, you know, we, we, we still have COVID cases, but uh, we're working our way through it and supporting That's our right. kids in a much better way. We have um, to see the glasses half full. Yes, absolutely. Now we have uh, a TOSA. Oh, absolutely. Another acronym. Right. Teacher on Special Assignment, which is one of what we usually take for our audience, expert teachers in certain areas um, who we've seen as leaders 
and we, we put them on a special assignment. Often it can be a doorway to administration or something else. Sometimes not. It's the, that's that's exactly where they need to be. So tell me a little bit about – we have one in particular helping us out with, uh, Absolutely. with this type of work. So one of our programs that we're developing at the county, uh, the county office – and I say developing, but we've had it for several years now – is a social-emotional learning TOSA, TOSA, Teacher on Special Assignment. And that person – She's able to go around, work with the districts, provide expert support on how to help of, how to help the teachers, how to help the administrators understand about effective communication practices, not just for the student, but actually classroom or even campus-wide, how to help address when you're struggling if you feel like you're being bullied, how to help if you feel depressed, how to help if you feel overly anxious. Learning how to communicate those things as a young person, if you recall back, is incredibly daunting. Mm-hmm. Giving them those tools and those words to self-advocate is a mark of success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and makes kids feel safer and more secure in the environment in which they're coming to, which in turn, as we know, they're going to they're gonna do better in school and just be much more positive about themselves. So we, we talked a little bit about you know, what we're doing now, kind of where we were, what's kind of going on now. We've got a bunch of new programs, as you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we've said the state is, is pumping a lot of money in. Um, oftentimes it comes in three-year grants, which I know you and I hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is the promise now that it's, it's continuing on, um, which is great. So, so looking through that, these funding streams, let's talk a little bit about that. We've got the Mental Health Student Services Act, which if people hear it's an acronym, MHSSA. Tell me a little bit about, or tell our audience a little bit about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So the MHSSA, Mental Health Student Services Act, is a partnership that we have with Nevada County Behavioral Health Department. And we've worked together to develop a grant. And so far, we have almost $3 million through this grant funded. What we've done with it is create those board-certified behavior analysts and those RBTs across almost all of our districts at this point, they have at least some connection to that, to that service. And so we're providing them free of charge to the schools and to the, and to the districts and families to provide that expertise service. And as you alluded to earlier, different schools are doing different things. We allow for that local control. Mm-hmm. So what that means is some schools are working it to support one to two intensive students. Other, student, other schools are using it to develop a f- more effective yard supervision other schools, right. yeah, they're really getting creative how they're using this expert behavioral support. So it's really exciting to watch providing the, the service and then letting them run with it of what do you see your campus needs. Yeah, I, uh, I love that part of it, being tailor-made for each campus that they're on. It doesn't have to look like it on the other, what, what you see in the other school. Um, yeah, it, it really meets the needs of those students. And as we all know, each one of our campuses have a very different look, a very different feel to them. So um, that's a wonderful thing. The other thing that you and I have been involved is the children's, well, uh, the, I should start, it's the interagency leadership team. And this, for our audience, is uh, kind of the heads of departments in Nevada County. You, you get probation, behavioral health, social services, our, our office, um, to name a few, coming together and we work on the children's system of care. And you were just at a workshop there. That's what. And so they know this This is all the agencies in Nevada County going, okay, how can we streamline services for kids? How do we get them more access for for them and their families? So kind of talk a little bit about what that, what yeah. they were looking at doing with that moving forward. I'd love to. One of the challenges for those who work in government or for those who watch government 
is many of these services and agencies are siloed, meaning they don't talk to mm-hmm. one another. You have probation who rarely would talk to social services. Now, that's just an example. So one of the things that because of those silos is we, we miss a lot of information. So if, a, if child welfare services is supporting a family and a student, we may never know that. So we're doing the exact same thing on the educational instructional day as they're doing after hours. So what this grant and what this opportunity allows for is we are going to be in close partnership with them. One of the goals, and a really exciting goal that I might add, is looking at developing more of a family student hub, uh, kind of a one-stop shopping, potentially even at school sites. On the school sites, we're hoping to see we can have counseling services mm-hmm. available. We can have health services available. We can be there and tailor-made for helping those students and the families who might otherwise struggle to get to an appointment somewhere else in the county. Right, right. And it's, it's great. There's also, you know, looking at that piece, there's another grant that came out, which is the community schools, uh, which used to be taking kids and putting them at a, at a we'll call it a special school. Uh, what they've realized, that doesn't work. It's more let's meet the kids wherever they are on all our campuses. So we've applied for that, which will fit right into what you just said. It's getting the services they need at their sites um, based upon the staff that they have saying, hey, well, you know, wh- what do you want? What do you need? Let's get going on it. One of the things that's really special about Nevada County is the collaboration between these agencies. Yeah, I've talked to many other areas, and it, it is there's animosity, there's challenges, there's fiefdoms. There's turf. There's yeah, turf. turf battles, yeah. You know, and up here, everybody is collaborative. Everybody sees the greater need and the greater good. And so we're really making some good traction and moving towards all those things you just described. Yeah, it's um, I always, you know, tout that for our safety. Yeah, we, which we did mm-hmm. a show on a couple weeks ago, as you know, when you, you have uh, uh, someone from the Sheriff's Department or the GVPD or the Highway Patrol calls up, you don't ask, who is it? You say, what do you need? How can we help? to keep our school safe. It's exactly the same in this arena as well. If, if I have someone from Behavioral Health call me up, I'm like, okay, what do you need? What do we do? Here's the services we can provide. Same if I call them or probation or social services. We know each other. We trust each other. And it's like with the singular goal of helping students and families. So, yeah. And there's one more that we're working on, another grant. And um, for our, our, our community and our listeners, what are the, the challenges we have is, is trying to connect all these to make sure we're not doing exactly what you said, duplication of efforts. And what's nice is they're, they're coming through, a lot of them through our office. I'm not sure why, but the legislature designed that, and it allows us to keep kind of track of that so we can say, hey, we're doing that already. This new grant will, will help out in this area. So this, this latest one is called the Student Behavioral Health Incentive Program, SIBHIP for short because we love acronyms, and um, a, a partnership we're working with the high school district on to really bolster their wellness centers um, and provide more services. And it's exciting. It's about a million dollars. Again, it's a three-year grant, always three years for our listeners. Not sure why the state loves three years. I think they believe all our problems can be solved in three years. Maybe Uh, they're going to term out in three years. I think that's exactly what they're doing in Sacramento. They term out and go somewhere else, but we know they're not. But it helps us build these foundations with these other programs. So we're very excited about that and working with uh, the high school district on that. Um, So going through it, you know, as as I knew, we, we... this stuff is, I don't know, it's exciting to me because of the help we're offering and, and we get rolling. Um, so talking about how it kind of fits together, we've got about 
six minutes left sure. already. I can't believe it's it's that. But like we're saying, how does it fitting together? And like I was saying, it's nice that we've got all these groups talking, so we know what the other agencies are doing. We're not duplicating efforts. We're not wasting taxpayer dollars, which drives me nuts. Let's just you know keep focused, add to programs that are successful. So. Talk a little bit about that with our um, SEL training, our social emotional leaders training, uh, supports, yeah. and, and some of the other things. I'd love to. So one of the things we're doing with our SEL supports is providing that training far and wide to the leadership, to the teachers, to anybody who is going to be a responsive and active participant in SEL training. One of the shared goals that we have is to provide con- continuity of practice across the area. So that should you move from one school to another school district, right. you have the same service and the same expectations of what it means to be a student. Those teachers have that same level of expertise to provide to any student who, who may just move into their area. So that's something really exciting about yeah, those SEL supports. Uh, we also have a, a collection of really putting it together of a lot of the uh, the staff at different schools. And they've got a, a team, a great name. It's called the A-Team. And it, it's nothing to do with that great television show from the 80s uh, with the van. Uh, but it is a, a, an amazing collection of educators. So tell, tell our audience about the A-Team and what they are, what they do, what their purpose is. So as you're speaking, I just have to say, I just had a flashback of B.A. Baracus I know, I and know. say, I pity the and fool who doesn't listen to the exactly, A-team. Exactly, and Murdoch in the helicopter, but yeah. we won't go there. Okay, we'll go we're not going to go there. We're no, going to move on to the assessment team, the expert mental health te- uh, practitioners in our schools. That consists of just almost everybody that we've been talking about throughout this show. We have counselors, we have school psychologists, BCBAs. We have everybody who touches that. Approximately more than 60 individuals, 60 professionals from the school setting and mental health come to us every meeting, every month, to do a shared resource, to provide professional development to one another, to provide continuity of instruction. What we started doing, which is really exciting, is engaging the other partner agencies, engaging with behavioral health. They're coming in quarterly, sharing expertise. We're sharing what's going on on the ground floor. Child welfare services, probation, we're all coming in in order for us to have a shared understanding. Right. And that is. And how did this A-team start, Eli? Because it wasn't something we set up in the office. What? It really was a ground floor right. issue. The school psychologists and the counselors, in a large part, they said, we need to get together. We don't have the resources. A lot of these positions, there, there's only one to two of them and in a whole district. There's not a lot of ideas to bounce off. When you picture different teachers, they can go across the door, talk to another third grade teacher, get ideas. There's only one school psychologist. They don't have that luxury. Right. So pulling them together across district lines provided that network that they've been so sorely lacking. Yeah, because it's hard if you're up at, uh, let's say, a school like Grizzly Hill. You're very isolated geographically for support. You're kind of on your own and having this group to talk to for support in that area, Chicago Park, or you know, some of our little mm-hmm. schools, that is, is certainly a benefit to them. One of the other benefits, just kind of financially, is looking at shared resources. Yeah. And when we can put a training on, instead of doing a training for one, we're doing a training for 50. And so it's a collective benefit in so many ways. So and it's really exciting to see this this agency and group take off as it has. Right. And I know we use them as a, uh, a resource uh, for tragic events at schools. We do. Um, and we've had to call them together um, 
when something's happened as kind of a crisis response team. They're at the ready. Um, it's an understanding through all the districts and the charter schools that you may need to release these people to go to a site to help out. And they really use their expertise to help not only students, but staff. Absolutely. We don't want to forget staff. I mean, and doesn't that just speak to the collaborative nature of this county? Absolutely, yeah. It definitely does here. We're looking at, boy, we got about a minute and a half here, Eli. All right. So kind of um, bringing it back to our students. Yeah. And, and, and really why we start the coming, why we're all here, why we, you know, we get there is... Um, Kind of some a closing, if you Absolutely. will, on this all this fitting sure. together. You know, for mental health, one of the things is to my personal the way I frame it is to remove any of those barriers that a student might have that's impeding their success, be it academic, be it social, be it emotional. We want to take away those those impediments to help students be as successful as they can to help create great civic minded community leaders. Right, right, and and meet them where they are. Um, and absolutely to help them out. And I know we talked about a lot. We said a lot. We had a lot of acronyms. We tried to explain it. Um, but if you have questions on any of these or what's going on actually at your student's school, reach out to the school. Ask them what they have there, what services. Um, and you're also welcome to call the superintendent of schools office. We have some resources on our webpage. Um, we're happy to, uh, always willing to talk about it and going going forward. So, um, Eli, I want to thank you for taking your evening out after a long day at work and uh, being here to talk about it and uh, letting the community know all these great resources that we have. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been great. Yeah, it's 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 been fun. I appreciate it. I want to thank our listeners out there. I hope you feel a little bit better about what's going on in our schools. Again, if you have any questions, what's happening, reach out to them. Ask, and uh, we'll share what we have. For that, I want to thank you all for listening. This has been Educationally Speaking on KVMR. Have a great evening.